faster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. And here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. Congressman Lee Zeldin, the GOP candidate for governor of New York, promises to fire prosecutors who don't uphold the law after being assaulted during a campaign speech. New York City's mayor is demanding President Biden send federal monies to New York to pay for housing illegal migrants being busloaded to the city. A man left in the roadway to die after being critically struck by a vehicle in the Bronx and robbed twice. Three masked gunmen rob a Brooklyn bishop of $400,000 in the middle of live stream church services. Former President Trump hints at a 2024 presidential run to Turning Point USA Students Action Summit. And we've got that audio. The suspect in the attack of Congressman Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for governor of New York, is due in court on Wednesday. This guy's name, David Jacobonis. He's 43 years old. He's now charged with assaulting a member of Congress using a dangerous weapon, a self-defense kitty keychain. The suspect arraigned in Parenton Town Court and released on his own recognizance following Thursday's attack. Congressman Zeldin appeared on Fox News. This is something that we need to take very seriously, not just in our own campaign, but everywhere. Politics in 2022 and social media. We, we need to make sure that we're protecting that process. We we have candidates who might be a Republican and Democrat, uh, third parties. I want to bring your ideas. You could debate. You could disagree. But violence should never have any place in our politics. Zeldin was giving a speech Thursday about bail reform at a Veterans of Foreign Wars post when the alleged assault happened before Jacobonis' release. Zeldin predicted that the suspect would be released. He had promised to fire DAs that do not enforce the law. Jacobonis was holding a black hardened plastic keychain with two sharp points designed for self-defense, according to police. New York City's mayor, Eric Adams, is demanding federal monies to pay for illegal migrants who are now being housed in New York City hotels after they were bus to the Big Apple. The mayor has called on President Joe Biden to provide him with the taxpayer monies. New York State's right to shelter law mandates Adams must find housing for the influx of illegal aliens. This is an opportunity uh, for New Yorkers to move away from not in my backyard. Uh, we all must share the crisis. New York State's right to shelter law stems from a court case that dates back to 1979. Now, according to the Center for Immigration Studies, the administration has released at least a million known illegals into the United States since President Biden took office. It's actually not known just how many have gone undetected. A man in the Bronx struck by a vehicle and then robbed not once but twice by the people who were inside of it. According to the NYPD, this incident went down around 6.30 a.m. on Saturday in Foxhurst. According to the NYPD, the 39-year-old victim was simply walking on the sidewalk on East 169th Street when he was struck by the driver of a black four-door sedan, according to police. 
According to investigators, two men got out of this vehicle and robbed the man lying in the street. But then they came back to check out the guy's pockets. You're coming out here and you don't know what you're going to come across. And it's close to home, which is even scarier. That's Nanette Santiago. She spoke to CBS, too. The victim was hospitalized in critical condition and so far no arrests. You can take a look at that video on our website, wabcradio.com. Anybody with information has to call the NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 1-800-577-TIPS. A flashy Brooklyn bishop robbed right in the middle of his live stream service on Sunday by armed suspects who fled with $400,000 in jewelry. Police say that Bishop Lamar Whitehead was right in the middle of his sermon at the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries in Canarsie about 11.14 in the morning Sunday when three masked gunmen burst in. All right, right, right. All right, right. All right, all right. Whitehead, dressed in a maroon suit with a gold-trimmed collar and sleeve cuffs, was wearing a long gold chain and a large ring on each finger at the time. He gets around in a $400,000 Rolls Royce. His wife, other churchgoers, may have been robbed as well. Whitehead, you might remember, last made news some two months ago, attempting to negotiate the surrender of 25-year-old Andrew Abdullah in connection with the fatal shooting of Goldman Sachs employee Daniel Enriquez aboard a Manhattan-bound Q train. Former President Donald Trump Saturday hinted at a 2024 presidential run for the White House. The address was a keynote on the second day of the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. Teasing his own possible 2024 run, Trump said Saturday that he won the 2016 election, falsely claimed he won the 2020 election and said, now we may just have to do it again. If I announced that I was not going to run any longer for political office, the persecution of Donald Trump would immediately stop. You know that, right? Immediately stop. They would go on to the next victim. But that's not what I do. I can't do that. I can't do that. And the comments came after Donald Trump Jr. earlier in the evening did not take the possibility Trump could announce a presidential bid before November off the table when asked about it by Fox News Digital. Looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, partly sunny skies today are high 84. And we're already at 83 degrees, mostly clear skies at 508 in the morning. Showers and thunderstorms this afternoon, winds around 14 miles per hour, 70% chance of rain. That rain should taper by about 9 o'clock tonight. And some of those storms could bring gusty winds and heavy rainfall. The overnight low is 74. Partly sunny day tomorrow, the high 83. Just a 30% chance of showers till mid-morning tomorrow. And again, 83 degrees, mostly clear skies here on the Big Apple. Well, GOP Representative Liz Cheney at odds with former President Trump. She said the former president violated the oath of his office and is not fit to be in the executive office ever again. However, Cheney added that the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th riot has not decided yet whether or not to make criminal referrals. She appeared on CNN this weekend. I think that uh, Donald Trump, uh, the violation of uh, his oath of office, the violation of the Constitution uh, that, that he engaged in is the most serious misconduct of any president in the history of our nation. Cheney is one of two Republicans on that committee investigating the January 6th riot and has been outspoken that Trump's actions amount to dereliction of duty. Trump has previously said that he's made up his mind about running for president in 2024, but has not yet, of course, formally announced his bid. 
Mr. Trump has blasted the work of that committee, saying it's an effort to distract from his potential run for the White House and to steer away from Democrats' failed agendas amid high inflation. An update on President Joe Biden's health following his COVID-19 diagnosis. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Ashish Jha told CBS on Sunday the 79-year-old Biden is doing okay. It is the BA5 variant, uh, which is, as you said, is about 80 percent of infections. The president's doing well. I checked in with his team late last night. Uh, He was feeling well. He had a good day yesterday. Uh, He's got a viral syndrome, an upper respiratory infection uh, that is and he's doing just fine. The president tested positive for the virus last Thursday and the White House has said he is experiencing mild symptoms, according to his physician, Kevin O'Connor. The White House also announced in a letter Sunday morning that Biden was likely infected with the Omicron subvariant BA5, which now accounts for 80 percent of infections. Biden, of course, at high risk of severe illness from the virus because he's 79 years old. Some of his medications have been halted while he has administered Paxlovid to treat COVID-19. Trump ally Steve Bannon doesn't appear to be going down without a fight. He was convicted of two counts of contempt for defying a congressional subpoena from the January 6th panel investigating the riots at the U.S. Capitol. Here's 77 WABC's Bob Brown. Here's Bannon outside the courthouse after Friday's verdict. I only have one disappointment, and that is the gutless members of that show trial committee. The J6 committee didn't have the guts to come down here and testify in open court. Bannon attorney David Schoen. Executive branch employees, when they're served with a subpoena and executive privileges invoked, cannot be compelled to uh, appear, and in any event that this statute cannot be applied against them. There are issues for appeal in this case that are astounding. The 68-year-old Bannon facing up to two years in federal prison when he's sentenced on October 21st. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Speaking to Fox News host Tucker Carlson, Bannon warned committee staffers that Republicans would have their own committee if they returned to power. I would tell the January 6th staff right now, preserve your documents because there's going to be a real committee and this is going to be backed by Republican grassroots voters in MAGA to say, we want to get to the bottom of this for the good of the nation. We have to know everything that went on. Each count of contempt of Congress carries a minimum of 30 days in jail and a maximum of one year in jail. A new Cato National Survey finds that self-censorship is actually on the rise in the U.S. Nearly two-thirds or 62 percent of Americans say the political climate these days prevents them from saying things that they believe because others might find them offensive. The share of Americans who self-censor has risen several points since 2017 when 58 percent of Americans agreed with that statement and these fears cross partisan lines. Majorities of Democrats, 52 percent independents, 59 percent Republicans, 77 percent all say they agree they have political opinions that they are afraid to share. Strong liberals stand out, however, as the only political group who feel they can express themselves. Nearly 6 in 10, or 58% of staunch liberals, feel they can say what they believe. However, centrist liberals liberals feel differently. A slim majority, 52% of liberals, feel they have to self-censor, as do 64% of moderates and 77% of conservatives. U.S. General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is warning the Chinese military has become significantly more aggressive and dangerous over the past five years. General Milley issued the warning during a trip to the Indo-Pacific that included a stop Sunday in Indonesia. Here's a general talking to NBC's Lester Holt back in November. They are clearly challenging us regionally. 
uh, and their aspiration is to challenge the United States globally. Milley's trip to the region is sharply focused on the China threat. He will attend a meeting of Indo-Pacific chiefs of defense this week in Australia. Key topics will be China's escalating military growth and the need to maintain a free, open and peaceful Pacific region. Members of a bipartisan congressional delegation visiting Ukraine's capital of Kiev said Saturday that the Biden administration needs to better keep tabs on weapons falling into Ukraine hands. The coalition calling on the Pentagon to deploy U.S. military advisors to Ukraine to coordinate the billions of dollars of arms flowing into the country. Here's Florida Representative Michael Waltz, who spoke to Fox News. I think they could do more. Uh, I think we should do more. Uh, That said, it should come with appropriate safeguards, with appropriate oversight. And the only way we can get uh, that oversight is to actually have some advisors in Ukraine helping their military with the planning logistics. And Walt said that includes U.S. military personnel. 77 WABC Time Check, 515. Justin Ellick is here with sports. Hi, Deb. I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. After hitting arguably their lowest low of the season after getting swept by the Astros in the last Thursday's doubleheader, the Yankees quickly bounced back against the Orioles in Baltimore this weekend, taking the three-game set by a mark of two games to one. New York left nothing to chance in yesterday's finale as nasty Nestor Cortez got back to his usual self. Shoving six for Israel Sharp innings and route to the Yankees' six-to-nothing win. Jose Trevino looked every bit the all-star he is, registering the first four-hit game of his career. Trevino grabbed his 29th RBI on the year with a sixth-inning double that scored Matt Carpenter. And, of course, Aaron Judge went deep as well earlier in the game to add to his MLB leading home run total, now at a whopping 37. That call courtesy of the Yes Network. The Yankees still hold the best record across the majors, and their lead in the AL East sits at 12 and a half games over the Toronto Blue Jays. The Bombers will enjoy an off day today before making the short trip to Queens for their first look at their crosstown counterparts in the Mets. Speaking of the Orange and Blue, they salvaged the finale in their weekend set against the San Diego Padres, avoiding the sweep with an 8-5 to win at home yesterday. Pete Alonso did polar bear things again, hitting a go-ahead three-run homer off San Diego's Joe Musgrove in the sixth to put the Metropolitans ahead for good. Here's what that bomb sounded like, courtesy of ESPN. Two and one, Alonzo hits this one well. How well? A three-run home run. 25th of the year at RBI, 79, 80, and 81. With the win and the Braves losing at home to the Angels, the Mets lead in the Annalise is back up to a game and a half as they get ready to welcome in the big bad Yankees tomorrow night. Also, Hall of Fame inductees from the weekend. Notable mentions, David Ortiz, Tony Oliva, Jim Cott, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Minnie Mignoso, Buck O'Neill. I spoke to Art Chamsky coming up here in a little bit. Former uh, teammate, or not teammate, but uh, former player for Gil Hodges, who is manager of that 69 Miracle Mets team. So that's coming up in a bit. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with the early news sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, Justin, looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny day or Haiti 4, but we do expect rain later on. Showers and thunderstorms mid to late afternoon. Winds to 14 miles per hour. 70% chance of rain, 80% tonight. With rain tapering by mid-evening, about 9 o'clock or so. And some of those storms could bring gusty winds, heavy rain. The low overnight, 74. Tomorrow, partly sunny. The high 83, the chance of rain about 30% tomorrow morning until about 9 a.m. Right now, already almost at our high. 
83 degrees already, 519 in the morning, mostly clear skies. And time for your business report with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. An important week on Wall Street. Investors eyeing key technology earnings and economic reports. The Fed's July meetings begin tomorrow. Wall Street coming off a winning week despite major technology losses that sent the market lower Friday. Investors running from social media stocks. Worries over online advertising stoked by Snap Inc.'s dismal 2022 outlook. The biggest names in technology reporting second quarter earnings this week. Microsoft and Google parent Alphabet leading things off after tomorrow's closing bell. Investors will be focused on key earnings as most companies are slashing their outlook for this year. Key economic data this week as well, including home sales, second quarter gross domestic product. The Atlanta Fed GDP is now tracking a 1.6% decline, which would mark the second quarterly decline, a traditional definition of a recession. The central bank begins its July meetings tomorrow. Another three-quarter point interest rate hike is expected Wednesday. Fed leaders still trying to fight record inflation. Please join me three times each weekday right here on this station. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Looking at futures, the Dow's up 76 points at 31,951. S&P 500 up nine and three quarter points. The NASDAQ up 37 and a half. The gold up 20 cents an ounce at $1,727.60. Crude oil up just seven cents this morning at $94.77 a barrel. The WABC Early News. Well, Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. 35-year-old man fatally stabbed right in front of his wife. This was an unprovoked attack in the Bronx Thursday. It happened about 1.15 in the afternoon at East 205th Street and Decatur Avenue. That's in the Norwood section. Authorities say the suspect, 19-year-old Franklin Mesa, walked up to Nathaniel Rivers and suddenly stabbed him in his abdomen as Rivers was inside of his vehicle with his wife. So Rivers' wife jumped out grabbed a pry bar, and began hitting the suspect, who then fled. Rivers, though, died at St. Barnabas Hospital. Rivers' stepdaughter, Ayesha Shah, spoke to ABC7. It's rough. It's, it's, it just more so feels like a, a piece that's missing. And it's only been a day. It'll be 24 hours and a few hours, and still it just... It doesn't feel real. Mesa fled on foot, arrested at his house nearby. And authorities say Mesa is schizophrenic with a history of mental illness and that he is known to people in the neighborhood, including the man who was fatally stabbed. Police Saturday released images of the irate motorist who ran down a Brooklyn traffic enforcement agent who had just given his friend a ticket. This happened in Flatbush. Police say wanted posters and social media images are now posted as they look for this suspect wanted for felony assault on a traffic agent in Brooklyn. This 25-year-old agent ticketed a Ford van, which was parked on Glenwood Road right near Nostrand Avenue about 11.30 a.m. Friday. The driver and his friend then got out of the van and confronted this agent who was allegedly assaulted. Surveillance video shows the friend clipping the agent with his infinity. EMS rushed the agent to Maimonides Medical Center, where he is expected to recover. The agent uh, identified these suspects from that surveillance as the ones who assaulted him. And uh, so far, no arrest still under investigation. Well, Triple H weather, hazy, hot, humid, forcing officials to shorten the New York City triathlon for some 2,400 participants yesterday. 
Organizers ended up lowering the run from 6.2 miles to 2.5 miles and the bike ride from 24.8 miles down to 12.4. The duathlon's two-mile run was shortened to just a mile. Nicole Bostic, the marketing brand director for the triathlon, spoke to NBC New York. So we're doing everything we can to ensure everyone's safety in the heat. However, the runners have to listen to their body. They have to hydrate before, during, and after the race. That's going to be the most important thing. So the heat index in New York City hit 105 degrees Sunday, but the actual mercury only climbed to 97 degrees. So that didn't end up breaking the previous record for July 24th. And New York City, though, did confirm a heat-related death Saturday. The medical examiner's office says this unidentified victim suffered from underlying medical conditions. And as of 3 p.m. Sunday, Newark, New Jersey hit 101 degrees, exceeding their previous daily record of 99. That was set in 2010. And Boston hit 100 degrees Sunday, surpassing the previous record of 98 degrees. That was set in 1933. 85 million Americans are under heat advisories issued by the National Weather Service. A Brooklyn family once again calling on Sesame Place in Philadelphia to take action after they say two little girls were victims of racism at SeaWorld. Jody Brown says her video shows a character walk right past the outstretched arms of her daughter and niece who are black, then walk over to another child next to them who Brown says was not black during a character parade. This was back on July 16th. The family's now demanding the performer be fired. Here's civil rights attorney Ben Crump. Will SeaWorld take advantage of the moment to make it a teachable moment? Our community is going to stand firm for our children. That's correct. The question is, are you standing with us or are you going to stand against us? Uh Their attorneys announced Saturday that they have more documentation from this incident and may release it depending on further actions by SeaWorld, which owns Sesame Place. Sesame Place has released a series of statements apologizing to the Brown family. A New York City proposal to house former Rikers Island inmates on the Jacoby Hospital campus in Morris Park has enraged residents of that Bronx neighborhood. Hundreds of residents packed a meeting Tuesday to hear about this plan, with many denouncing it. Listen to some of the residents speaking out about the plan. But I wanted to be in a neighborhood where my little girls and my wife are going to be safe. Nothing was more important than that. And none of you up here give a damn about that. It's like a a tumor, like a cancer. It starts as a cell, goes to a tumor. Everybody is watching it. The next thing it takes over. Once this is installed, it's not going to be uninstalled. It's not going to go away. The nonprofit Fortune Society was selected as a developer, but the project still needs to get city council approvals. And the city says it wants to create some 70 studio apartments in an unused Jacoby building on Seminole Avenue for the former inmates mostly needing medical care. A spokesman for the public health and hospital system, which runs Jacoby, said that they are excited to help provide some of the most medically fragile patients the opportunity to receive dignified housing and high quality services. New York City's left-leaning leaders are resurrecting a failed attempt to legalize voting for non-citizens in local elections. Once again, the city's law department filed legal papers Friday in Staten Island Supreme Court. They're attempting to appeal Justice Ralph Porzio's permanent injunction issued last month. It bars the city's Board of Elections from allowing about 800,000 non-citizens to vote. 
Looking at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny or highs 84. Showers and thunderstorms this afternoon. Pretty much after 3 p.m. Winds to 14 miles per hour. 70% chance of rain. 80% tonight, but the rain should taper by about mid-evening, 9 p.m. or so. And some of those storms could bring gusty winds and heavy rainfall. The low, 74 overnight and partly sunny day tomorrow. The high, 83, with a slight chance of a morning shower till about 9 a.m. Right now, 82 degrees, clear skies here in the Big Apple. Well, Steve Jobs, original prototype for the company's first-ever computer, now headed to the auction block. RR Auction is taking bids on the late Jobs' original design for the Apple One computer. It's the same prototype that resulted in Apple Computer's first big order and also changed the course of the company. The highest current bid for this prototype, over $229,000 as of Friday afternoon, so bidding runs through August 18th with RR Auction. Jobs and fellow Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak collaborated on that device back in 1976. They then used the prototype to secure their first order from local computer store owner Paul Terrell, according to the RR Auction listing. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.